Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pretty Simple Podcast. Uh, today, I am actually joined by my friend Tanner. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? Hi. My name is Tanner Garen. I'm a friend of Alex's. I'm a Scorpio, and I am very, very partial to... Uh, Cowboy Bebop, and he made me my favorite. He made me. You made me actual uh, bell peppers and beef. Yeah, bell peppers yeah, and beef was the yeah. the food today. Yeah. Uh, so today, got Tanner together, and we're actually going to be talking about some something a bit different than what's normally been on the podcast so far. We're actually going to talk about our own experiences through acting and things like that because I used to do stage acting and stuff when I was much younger. Uh, Tanner currently does theater <laughs> acting and he is younger than I am. And uh, we're also in a web series together, but yes. we're not, we haven't interacted with each other yet. No, uh, no at least not for the series. Not we, for the we, series we've interacted no. together yeah, we've on behalf yeah. of yeah. the series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But for your Tanner, yeah. since you are the guest, I'll let you uh, take it away and talk about your, uh, your acting experiences. My acting experiences, I mean, I really in the past couple years, it's been very quiet. Um, oddly enough, so I moved here about two years ago from Chicago, moved to Chicago after college getting a theater degree, which is always a great idea. And I'm not even joking <laughs> on that. No, no. I, mean, I know. D is it, has it taken me anywhere great? No, but did I have a great time doing it? Absolutely. And you can still do a lot of stuff with that. I mean, it helps with marketing. It helps with PR and communications. Um, but really when I was in Chicago, I, it just, not a lot was really happening. I did one musical I did a couple like um, background stuff for TV, like on a certain uh, episode of Chicago Fire, you can see me in the background at a bar, <laughs> a bar where I was drinking fake beer and actually had to ask for more because, well, this look, set. well, if I'm going to if we're going to take multiple takes and you want me to act like I'm drinking, I'm going to drink the damn beer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um there was Empire, which was awful, um, really. And I, I mean, they just they heard you like cattle. They really okay. do. I mean, and I understand like you're on a time budget and all that, but you're also getting people that uh, don't particularly act all the time. A lot of people tend to do this just for because you get money out of it, yeah. And that's fine, but yet you you have people that that are also slowing down production because they don't know the right etiquette, right? Um, Beyond that, it just I, – I, I got to – I was in front of Tom Hanks's son, but in my opinion, not the cool one. I did not okay. meet Colin Hanks. I met Chet Hanks. Okay. Sort of. We had to – we were acting – this was Empire. We are acting like we were at a concert. He comes out, and he's acting – and, you know, he's coming out, and he's expecting, like, this big applause, and he's like, hey, everybody, I'm here. And I'm next to some people that I had been talking to before we got there, and I was like, are we supposed to know him? Like, <laughs> and they were like, that's Tom Hanks, son. I'm like, that's not Colin Hanks. No, his other son, he has another son. It's more than one. <laughs> um, so he is a white rapper. Uh, mm. Omarion was there and the wife from, uh, the Damon, ah, that one Damon Wayne show. Um, oh, my wife and kids, my wife and kids. Yeah. Okay. So I got to see that, um, for, for a hundred dollars. Um, 
so I wasn't doing a lot. And then right as COVID or no, right as COVID was hitting, uh, me and my friends had actually, uh, started up a theater company. We got a script, a really short script from our mentor from college. And we hired actors. We were paying our actors. We found a space. We had a name for our company. We were about 20 days out. And my dad calls me and he's like, you know, with all this coronavirus stuff, do you think that you're um, going to have to cancel? I'm like, nah, come on. We've gotten through swine flu. We've gotten through Ebola again. You know, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. And then I ruined everything for everyone by saying that. That's uh, what you get, man. And including my theater company. And, you know, it, it was getting to the point where, because yeah, I'd been living with my with uh, a friend for about four years, and you know, when I was leaving, he didn't really understand why. And I was like, "Hey, you ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." I'm Cameron every single day, like not being the main character of your own movies. Right. Like, yeah. It feels weird. So I had a lot of friends here. I moved to St. Louis, and honestly, I've had I've had it's been easier finding work here than it was in Chicago. Even paying work. I haven't, I, at least I think I have an agent right now. I think my, I thought my contract was up and then I got a, a request for a, for a, an audition that I wasn't able to go to. Uh, I've done a, a radio play for uh, STL NPR. I did a short film out in Columbia. I got onto a um, Jim Butler commercial and recently... I just got done playing Gomez Adams in the Adams family for the alpha players in Florissant. So quite the history you've got there so far. <laughs> it's been, it's been, uh, it's been, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like whenever, whenever you like acting and you like doing these things, it's great. But I, I think for someone like me and quite a few other people in the world, you know, you kind of wanted something more out of it, but I'm finding now, especially with, the fact that anyone can be a star, no matter what kind of platform you're on, it doesn't really matter whether or not, you know, it's acting or whether or not, like, I mean, you could be the best actor in the world. Someone like, you know, PewDiePie is going to be more popular than you just because of what they do. And uh, now, really, I'm just trying to get a name for myself just out in public, not the public, just in public, if not. Right. If not successful in the world, successful in St. Louis is not the worst for me. No, no, especially because St. Louis is trying its best to build that back up again. Yeah, because um, what was it? They're building a. Um, I, I it's I don't know if it's a facility for filming, but it's a. Um, they're trying to make St. Louis more of a film friendly town like Atlanta. And, yeah, you know, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So, but they're starting to build something that's supposed to be helping out with, uh, with production. So we'll see what that built. Let's see. We'll yeah, see what that brings we'll for that everyone. Goes. So you. So yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. when I was younger and unfortunately, cause it was a while ago, um, I don't remember a ton of it. I did a lot of theater acting just at local, just whatever random stuff I could find to kind of fill the voids that were going on in my life. Yeah. Um, did some Shakespeare stuff because it's always it's yeah. not hard to find Shakespeare in St. Louis. No, and it's free to um, do. Yeah, it's <laughs> always free. Uh, you don't have to pay Shakespeare any money. Uh, so it's always easy to find someone doing that. So I never did anything that I really 
wanted to do. It was just always stuff. It was always stuff in the background. I very rarely ever did anything that was speaking. And so eventually I just stopped doing it until where I was working at, one of my coworkers um, knew someone that was doing a Christmas musical. Oh. Um, it had a slight kind of Christian theme to it, but sure. for the most okay. part, it was pretty progressive, actually, especially for 10 years ago, too. Uh, and so I actually wound up getting not just a speaking part. I also had to sing in it, too. Oh, I love this. Uh, so it was, I mean, it was just... Um, this kind of more uh, upbeat version of White Christmas, so not like the, not a croony <laughs> version of White Christmas, but it was definitely a little bit more uh, festive and peppy. Nice. We're, lis- we're we're listening to Michael Bublé this time. We're, we're not, we, don't enough, to to, we don't have to go to Bing Crosby. Funnily enough, uh, that because my hair was really long then. Uh, so my hair super curly and one of the other actors in it uh, would always pantomime my character as saying, she looked just like Michael Bublé uh, during it. <laughs> But yeah, so I did that. But the way the play was set up um, was that the audience was there. Like you were acknowledging the facts the audience existed because it was supposed to be a big Christmas dinner kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that was the whole shtick of it was that it was a Christmas dinner. And we, uh, so we were supposed to, we were, there was even a table on stage, which. <laughs> so my family, um, as I mentioned, my intense podcast before my parents had divorced and everything. So my my entire family all went on different days of the week. And okay. so the way my uh, stuff worked for this play. Uh, so I was a character. I can't remember what my character's name was, but it was, I was a dude who was roommates with another dude. And so the whole thing was supposed to be like this. Are they gay or whatever? Kind of, kind of plot kind of hook going That's on there. That's very fun. for um, Christmas. Yeah. Especially cause we're in a church too. Yeah. That, that makes it even better. I'm actually, I, um, I, that, that does sound progressive. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very yeah. impressed. Yeah. It was super progressive. <laughs> and, uh, so where we were at, where, um, my, my coworker and I were at for the blocking is we were off stage. A couple of us were too. Cause the, the front entrance of the church was where the, where we were, where the front door, this big, massive flat apparently was. Okay. So we go in and we're in there and then we're the last ones to leave this spot. And so we have these big, you know, big Christmas presents that we're supposed to be carrying in. So open up the door and we, we do our line. And at first we get chewed back out and then we have to go back in. It's part of this. Part yeah. Of the it's part of the joke. Um, yeah, yeah. Then we have to go back out. We go back in and then I look at the stage where the table is. Now at this point, my father had gone, my father, and my stepmother at the time, they had gone to see it. Uh, my mother hadn't come to see it yet, uh, but my sister had said she was going to go. And I look at the stage at that table and that's where my sister and her husband are are on the stage table. Now my sister's married. So obviously her last name was not the same as mine. So they had no way of knowing they just picked them at random and like of all the people that they could have picked that were there that night, it was my sister and her husband. And I look at it and I'm like, Oh no! Because <laughs> it's like great. Now I have to be like extra good because my sister and her husband are on stage uh, for this. It was fine. We we talk about it every so often, but that was kind of like the last thing I did for a while. Okay. It was great. All right. Uh, okay. So we've talked a little bit about what we both like in terms of like shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. If you could play any character, it doesn't matter that if you look like him or not, like any character that you'd ever want to play, who would it be? 
So are we talking like a character that already exists or just a role in general? Yes. Okay. So just a role in <laughs> so either one. So I, I, I actually have an answer for both. Cool. Um, so if we're talking like stage and musicals, I've always wanted to be in Jesus Christ Superstar. As who? Judas. Um, good. That's that's what I would want to do. Good. Okay. And then as far as like film or TV, I mean, as you noticed, I have a lot of Star Trek uh, oh, stuff I, oh, around I'm, here. Oh, I'm waiting for this one. I would be, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be a, like, I. you can never replace the smarm and charm that is, you know, any a version of Captain Kirk so far that's had more than one episode of screen time. Uh, you can't you can't out Shatner Shatner like it wouldn't be the same performance if it was me you know back in the sixties doing it as Jeffrey Hunter demonstrated when he was uh, Captain Pike for the first pilot for Star Trek, but I would love to be to play as the captain of an Enterprise okay on cool. a TV show I like that so those are the of the two medias very violently different medias of course no I mean hey that's the thing you, you like different medias i mean um have going with theater you know the idea of even having that in mind and wanting to expand that i mean that tells me that you like to expand you know mm -hmm. what you what yeah. you do with acting so that's good no you should definitely have like as many as many mediums as you are like i typically do a lot more comedy and i don't look like i do mm -hmm. um so when I'm actually in more dramatic roles, I actually have a lot harder of a time because I'm just, I'm not saying I'm the funniest guy in the world, but I grew up on comedies. I grew up yeah. watching best of Saturday night live cast members. And whenever, you know, I wasn't exactly looking out and watching steel magnolias or, you know, anything that was right. going to be that heavy all the time. Right. Uh, so, whenever it comes to um, expanding as much as I can, I have to. And I mean, here, um, what was it back in 2015? This is the most dramatic show I had ever done. And it was with the uh, hardest uh, professor that we had. Uh, have you seen the movie Whiplash? No. So basically the movie Whiplash is about a, a student who wants to be a drummer. His, uh, music instructor is sadistically belligerently just cruel. Oh wait, no, I have seen Whiplash. I know what you're talking about now. Cause yeah, yeah I've seen the, I've seen the clips at least of yeah. him. Yeah. Like JK Simmons, you know, that's yeah, on my tempo J and yeah. like, can you count like, yeah. yeah. Uh, that movie came out at the worst time in my life because I was doing, I was going through the exact same thing with this guy. Okay. And, um, he kept telling me that whenever it came to like certain emotional things, I just wasn't getting there and I was wasting his time. And I, you know, I was, cause there was only three characters in it. Right. And, um, he like literally in front of everyone, he's like, out of the three of you, you are the weakest, you are falling behind, you are failing. And so eventually, um, like I just flip shit on him. Mm -hmm. No, I, well, and that's the thing. That's what he wanted me to do. Right. And I hated that. I thought I, you know, cause I thought like, Oh wow. Like I, that's really going to push me to this level. But I, someone had brought this up. Um, one of the cast members from Adam's family, uh, went out with, uh, me to me and a couple of the other cast members to a bar and a buddy of mine from college who had 
Ben Crew on the show uh, was there and we were talking about it because he had been there during behind the scenes. And it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it, it was pretty bad because I already act, I already had to act like my leg was amputated. Right. So there's this scene where like, so I have gangrene okay, and there's a scene where they're trying to like hold me down to amputate me. And it's the sweatiest thing I've ever yeah. done. Cause no, I'm, in this, super I'm, in, I'm in this big, heavy wool civil war coat. Okay. And these in all, like, I mean, this is just like the thickest cotton fabric I've ever worn in my life. And I am sweating, trying to escape and yelling my voice out. God, I'm getting like horses thinking about it. Right. Um, and that in itself was exhausting. So we're talking about it. And this, this, uh, my, this cast member, Maggie, She's like, that's really fucked up. And we were like, yeah, but it made, it made me better. She's like, I know, but like, do you really feel like it was worth it? And I'm like, eh, nah. I, I don't know. I really don't know. That's the, that's the problem. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully you've never had to like, hopefully no one's ever like berated you. No, for your work. Well, I mean, I never went to school or anything for it. So I never had to really worry about that part. So I was always, I was always going to be safe from that. All right. But yeah, um, to go back a little bit though, with, um, my experience, cause like I said, I had a bit of a spell where I didn't do anything. It just work was, I had to work so much because, uh, I was working at Walmart at the time. So they weren't paying me hardly anything at that point. And then I wound up moving to Texas, uh, Dallas for a couple of years. Mm. And it was kind of the same thing. I just never had enough free time to do anything while I was there, which is a shame because there actually was like a decent scene for it down there. Uh, it did require a lot of having to like drive to really dry parts from the the casting calls and stuff I read, like to really oh, dry yeah. parts of the Dallas area. And Dallas is still pretty north. Like they still have a relatively normal winter there. But so I was there for I was in Dallas for about three years. And then I moved back to St. Louis. And then, of course, COVID happened. Uh, so at that point, uh, uh, the, the big project in St. Louis that had happened at that time was that, uh, Superman film that Donnie Callahan did. I'm not familiar with that one. So it's a Superman fan film that he made basically called Superman okay. world war. Laura was a part of it. She did a lot of behind the scenes really? stuff. Yeah. She oh, did, a lot, that. That. Yeah, okay, she did cool. a lot of that stuff. And that happened. Of course, that all started like the year after I moved to Texas. So it's like, man, like a fun thing actually occurred and I'm, too far away to be useful for this um so you know that all occurred while i was gone then i come back and i don't i'm just getting used to being in st louis again so i take like a year to, to do nothing and then COVID happened yeah more nothing so more nothing occurred <laughs> and then uh laura filled me in about this there was a um a, another film not a fan film this time but an actual like movie movie being made uh, I think it's called Venger or something like that. It's V-E-N-G-E-U-R. As far as I'm aware, it hasn't come out yet. Okay. But uh, basically, it, from what what little I knew about the plot and what little I still know about the plot, it's about this uh, lady that it, it's basically like, like Quantum Leap in a way hmm. without it sam beckett being a different person each time effectively it's still the same lady but going through different periods of time so it's doctor who a little bit without yeah. a, without a tardis and yeah. i believe like i said i know nothing about this movie 
So I believe it was like involuntary or it was like every time she died or something. I don't, like I said, I don't know the specifics of it, but I, I have never read nor seen the time traveler's wife, but I feel like that's the time traveler's wife. Maybe. Uh, so they were doing just, they needed people to be extras. It was a modern day scene. Uh, it was shot in the, Laura probably would remember where it was. I know it was really close to where up down STL is because okay. you could just walk there from there. Sure. But they need, it was for all the modern day stuff. And it had this, this building it was like a co-op, I think, because there was like a kitchen, but there were also these offices and there was some other stuff that was, there was like a workout room and all these other things and like a, like a weird open cafeteria. And so they had us, I, I signed up to, you get a choice. You could either be an office extra or a fight extra. <laughs> it's pretty clear which one I chose. Oh, how uh, can you not? Yeah. So I was a fight extra. So I had to wear a suit the whole time too. Cool. But of course, because it was, it's no budget, no film or low budget film. So we basically had to make up our own choreography. So what sure. we did is we paired off into pairs. Uh, we paired off <laughs> as the, as the phrase already explains itself, we, we paired off. And so I got, uh, my partner was this, uh, young woman. I cannot remember her name to save my life right now, but her and I got paired up and it worked really well because she was about the same height as the actress that we were going to be fighting. Okay. So for me, it worked out really well that I had, I would know kind of my, uh, choreography a bit better. And so we had to make up our own stuff. We had the whole day to do it. Now, I didn't realize it was going to take quite this long. So initially, I was working at LensCraft at a point in time. I said I was only going to be gone maybe half the day. And I realized that I am not going to be gone the half day at this point. I'm going to be gone all day. So I called my work and just made up some bullshit reason why I couldn't go into work the rest of the day. I think I said I got hurt or something. I don't remember. But, oh, uh, God. never tried that one. Uh, it worked. <laughs> they were like, oh, take your time. Get better. We'll see you on Monday. Because I was off the next day. So they're like, we'll see you. you know, just uh, get better and all that. And I was like, you guys got it. All right, guys. I can keep uh, pretending like I'm fighting more. So basically from uh, I know it ended in a headbutt because my hair was even longer then. Okay. So and I put product in it for some reason. I think I just wanted to look nice. So it made my hair extra like bouncy mm-hmm. and it flowed really well. So when I did the headbutt, like it all just kind of moved in this one beautiful silky motion. Um, <laughs> so we had to incorporate the headbutt in for it. And so we did that for hours, like four or five hours with like a break for lunch. And we had to stop because of shooting other stuff uh, down below us. So we have to take, you know, we have to wait for them to finish and then we would start again and just, it would just keep going. So it, it took all day. Yeah. It took all day. Oh, if yeah. I'd done the office stuff, I would have been done like at the halfway point. But since I didn't do that, I was, you know, there the whole day. And then I went to up down STL after that, uh, without a shower or a change of clothes. Uh, that's, so, yeah, that's how that goes. A lot but of the that time. place was packed. So, you know, I was not the worst smelling human being there. So I think I was okay. Uh, and yeah. And then, I mean, I've seen, some raw shots of that of the sequence it's basically done like a hallway fight kind of thing like it's just a couple of dudes always coming up and you know throwing their their moves and 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 things like that but yeah it's never come out so i don't know like what the full thing looks like and it's been like two years i think since we did all that oh it's even longer than that it's been three years i think because it was right it was when the restrictions were starting to lift i think 
Uh, I was still at LensCrafter, so it had to have been three years ago before I got my new job. So I was going to say, maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe they couldn't even film everything because of the restrictions. It could have maybe been. They, maybe uh, they just said, yeah, well, fuck from, it, we'll scrap it. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, I would like to see it, like at least, you know, the bits that could have gotten done. Assuming I, I have no idea what's going on with this dude, so I couldn't tell you for, for certain, but I would like to at least see that part done since that's the part I was in. Uh, and then I didn't do anything again for a little while until uh, there was another day. So in case you can't tell from how some of these stories goes, I really hated working at LensCrafters. Uh, <laughs> it was not a good time for me. It's why I had no qualms faking up reasons to not uh, come into work. So Donnie is shooting a making a sequel series to his Superman fan film that he made. Right. And I was initially my sole thing was I was going to pick up Laura and take her to the place they were filming the stuff at. And then I was going to just maybe look at this comic book shop for a bit. Then I was going to go home and go to work. Well, naturally I show up and they need some extra help. So I decided to stay and help. So I wind up being there the whole day, uh, just doing stuff, you know, in the background and just things like that. No extra work or anything like that, but you know, just reading lines off and helping people get their lines right. And, and, and things like that. And so I'm not done till like two o'clock in the morning. I think when I was finally done, but I actually was able to wing this, but I was able to, to, to stay for the whole thing because I had proof of something. So our systems at lens crafters are really dumb. And for whatever reason, I had two different schedules I could look at. One of them said I worked that day. The other one said I didn't. So I took a screenshot of the one that said I was off that day uh, when I noticed it. And I was going to use that to get an extra day off of vacation anyway. So my boss calls at like 9 a.m. wondering where I am. And I, so I say I'm in Chicago because I figured that was realistically close enough to be <laughs> believable right. to where I couldn't yeah. just come back for work. Uh, it was far enough away too, to where it was just unreasonable for me to assume I'd be able to get to work in time, you know? Uh, cause I also think I even threw, it's like, I didn't drive there. I took a train. I think is what I even told my yeah. boss on the phone yeah. too. And so I was able to stay the whole day, but it wasn't like two, I got home. I think I got back here at like 3am and I needed to be up at like six. I could take a shower and everything to get ready. And my go-to for waking up early if I, well, if I have to get a short amount of sleep, but I still need to be awake at a certain time, was I actually just put on Avengers Endgame. Sure. The movie's three hours long, so it's perfect for that. So I can just pop that on. And I was on the couch. I fell asleep on the couch because I wake up faster if I'm on my couch. And then, yeah, I woke up and I went to work the next day perfectly fine. And uh, no one was any the wiser. <laughs> and then, then nothing again for a little bit until uh, I get a message from Josh. Uh, needing you know someone to to take over a spot for a care for someone who didn't show up and so we made this whole new character for the series yeah so that way because i didn't the last name the name he had for that character just didn't fit me very well okay so i think hope i think hope was the name of the the character initially so i changed it to winters that's nice so i I felt like that worked better for me and how i look uh, and sound and it just sounded better coming out of me uh, as opposed to saying hope all the time and so now i'm just waiting for more stuff to happen out of that so josh if you're listening just let, <laughs> let me know stuff so i can keep doing things i don't want to say anything that i did while i was there because obviously that's 
spoilers and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Spoil the series. Nah, That's very he, uncool of me to do. I mean, that guy works on his craft so much that, you know, just get anyone that's going to end up seeing the final form of what he's doing is going to be really proud. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that as well. It's indirectly. That's also how Tanner and I met. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> I mean, really, that's how I've started. I want to say started, uh, acting in St. Louis was, I went to this, uh, you know, Keenan Sargent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's been a friend of mine for years and he told me about this, uh, this, I, I don't know. It was like this little convention where you go in and you get people your headshot and resumes and you talk to them. And that's where I met Josh. And he had told me about the pack. And honestly, it was one of the more exciting things I had seen that day. So, you know, I was I was ecstatic for it. And then since then, I mean, let's see, since then. I mainly filled in for uh, his uh, Spider-Verse series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how I met Laura and yeah. how I met you. Right. <laughs> I don't remember. What, I don't remember the exact details on how Laura and I wound up there. I know I was driving. I think we were in console for something else. And I was like, fuck it. Let's just go to Josh's place. We're here. Like may as well just go ahead and just go. And I don't think, I, I think he just wasn't looking at his phone. So we just showed up and went down there. Uh, so when we did the same Dr. Cox quote and did the perfect top gun <laughs> side high five. Uh, without oh, looking. Man. That was the best part about oh, yeah. that. We didn't look and it connected solidly. <laughs> uh, I was just so proud that someone mm -hmm. knew what was. I knew the bastard coded bastards coat. I, I know that one very well. Uh, oh, that's one of the truest quotes I could ever quote in my entire life. It's a good one. And then one last thing about me. Uh, I don't think it's been mentioned on this show. I actually did write a script. I haven't done anything with it, but I do have it. Uh, it's on my Google Drive for something called The Space Police. Really? Yeah. It's obviously my main love is science fiction. That is the thing I of all the genres out there. Sci-fi is the one I like. Uh, it's a lot of creative liberties taken on stuff. It's its own thing, though. So okay. initially there was going to be some stuff to make it a bit more fan filmy. Then I decided I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be mine and not have to worry about, you know, stuff out of, you know, borrowed from other IPs or anything like that. So I took a lot of that stuff out. Uh, the main gist, the main thing I took inspiration was Cowboy Bebop, though. So it's about three bounty hunters. It actually starts off with them appearing to have succeeded at catching a bunch of criminals. Uh, turns out they did not. And so they have to do a bunch of stuff to, to get their missing mark back or else they don't get paid. And that's the, that's the main plot of, of the script without going into too many details. Cause I still don't want to say everything about it out loud. Audible is not a sponsor uh, by chance. Is it? Unfortunately not. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so uh, I love my audible and are you familiar with Yahtzee Croshaw? Yeah. Uh, so he wrote, well, I used to watch his reviews for video games all the time. Actually. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know he did that. Yeah, well, he I, did. I knew that he like invented board games, but um, there were two of his books that I read that were in a series, but he he never created a third. It's it, no, I'm not going to say it's exactly like Cowboy Bebop. It's a lot more like I would say Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm -hmm. meets. No, oh, we can go with like Cowboy Bebop, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
The first one is called "Will Save the World for Money." The next one is "Will Destroy the Universe for Food." It's it it's actually a lot of fun if uh, you ever get around to a paperback or dig no, around for that. Well, it just based off of what you're talking about with your script, mm-hmm. um, I think that you would really really enjoy those yeah. books. I definitely made it a bit more on the hard sci-fi as opposed to soft sci-fi. Oh, so no, there's still very much a soft sci-fi. Yeah, there's still, I mean, I still have to have fast and light travel. Like I'm not going to go Firefly where it's a trinary system that they're just constantly looping through or something. But yeah. I did want it to have at least that aspect to it. The only thing I didn't write into the script only because I can't think of how to make it done feasibly. I, I wrote like a rough copy of it, but I think I deleted it where it was supposed to be a scene of basically ship to ship combat. Okay. But I realized it's probably not a practical thing to do, so I just kind of scrapped it. But it's easy enough to put back in. Like, I know where it would go, so that wouldn't be that hard to do. But I just couldn't think of a feasible way to – how to make that happen if I read this thing. It's only – it's not a 60-something page script. So, I mean, it's – I was going to say, and that's just the first draft. I it, mean – Oh, I mean, the, the script is finalized. Oh, really? That's already okay. done. It was just that sequence that I started and got rid of. But, yeah, I've already gone through, like, three or four revisions of the script. So, Very I mean, nice. it's never done. But it's done enough. Uh, <laughs> so at that point, I'm just being picky. Let's see. Uh, I have written. I, I want to say I have finished completely two things, but none of them are meant to actually be anything that's made Same. into anything. Well, so I remember one day uh, it was it was during COVID 2020. I was bored out of my head. And um, you know, those like TV shows that they'll like. They'll do a parody episode of a movie like uh, The Wizard of Oz is a big one. Like yeah. there's a Wizard of Oz Scrubs, there's a Wizard of Oz Rugrats, something like that. You take this classic story, but you take the characters uh, from, well, in my case, my own life and put them into the story. So I made this comedic parody, Lame as a Rob. Okay. Um, and then recently, and I, this is not, I did not write a script for this. The Lame as a Rob thing I wrote. And thankfully I was part of a play, play reading group at the time that we actually mm-hmm. took the time to read it. Yeah. Okay. They took the time to read it. I put myself on mute, got drunk. And I was like, yeah. I can't believe they're reading this shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I was on my way to Texas. We were driving. This is a 13 hour drive for a wedding. And I was talking to someone. My big thing is that I like to make playlists for people. Um, sometimes I'll go to friends and I'll be like, Hey, I'm going to make you a playlist. Give me a prompt. And like, they'll give me some kind of subject matter, a character, a story, some, some kind of aesthetic. And I have to make this 80 to 90 minute album. It has to be in a specific order. You cannot repeat an artist unless you really, really feel the need to. Okay. You can only do two. You can't do three. Um, so I, uh, was talking to this person and I, I was like, you know, give me the prompt. I got like 12 hours I got to spend. She's like, all right, Batman and Catwoman. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is actually, this might be a little difficult. So I'm going through my entire library, picking out things. And while I'm doing this, I'm looking at the songs and I'm like, you know, this would, this actually would be really cool for this character. This would be really cool for this character. So this is at like four in the morning Still, you know, we're still driving there. She gets up around 10. She's like, how's it going? I'm like, so I took the playlist idea that you gave me, and uh, I just made a uh, jukebox musical uh, based on Gotham City Sirens. 
And so there's not a script, but uh, with the playlist, there's a description of what's supposed to be happening with every song mm. or before every song is sung. Yeah. So I, I'm the problem is I, I actually think I need to go back and rewatch. Do you watch the Harley Quinn? Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. You're missing out. I know. Um, I think I need to go back and look at. It was uh, on my to-do list until they uh, changed the app to max and now i have to do a bunch of weird stuff and i don't want to do it so we'll get back to that uh but basically i think i might have accidentally ripped off of it um so everyone's upset about Mac. i don't get it like i just like maybe it's not not, i don't i mean for one not having hbo when it does make it a little bit harder for like people to like figure out it's like well i want to watch hbo shows where the what am i what's my app now for people who don't know the change happened the Uh, thing that people didn't like it's not like how when like some apps get like a name change or a logo change or something like that where it just does a little quick change. You have to download another app. Yeah, I noticed that when I downloaded and it then, for Xbox. Yeah. So it's not like they just changed the name on it and called it a day. It's like it's a completely secondary app. So if you log in, if you still have your HBO Max uh, account, it tells you, oh, just push this button and you'll download Max. It's like this is stupid. Why do I have to do this process? As long as I can still get, well, let's see, what do I watch on Max? A lot of DC. I watch a lot of DC on Max. Yeah. And uh, apparently I need to watch Succession. So. Okay. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break here. Absolutely. And uh, come back to you. And I think we're just going to keep shooting the shit for a little bit. And uh, we'll just kind of see where it takes us. So we'll be back in just a moment here. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pretty Simple Podcast once again. Took, it a, took a quick break there, and now we're back, and we're moving on from our personal experiences of acting and writing and whatever that we've been doing. And I kind of just want to talk a little bit about performances that we've seen or something along those lines of, or behind-the-scenes things of acting things that we just really enjoyed. And I was going to kick that one off. One of my favorite movies in my top five list is Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Uh, it's up there. I know the memes. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, there is there's a sequence in Wrath of Khan. And this is a spoilers for a 40 year old movie. So I'm not apologizing for this. Uh, quick nutshell. Khan gets the USS Reliant. He's taken over the ship. He disables the Enterprise a little bit. Uh, he shoots him up a bit. And Kirk and Spock are able to get the override codes that all Federation ships have. And for this exact instance, you get the override code for the ship and you're able to disable the ship remotely. It's just a fail safe uh, for this exact situation. Uh, why they didn't do it first or anything is because Kirk was getting too complacent. That's the whole, whole point of wrath of Khan is about getting older. Uh, so there's when that happens and they put the, the code, the, the command code in, there's the line Kirk says right before they issued the order to lower Reliant shields. He says, here it comes. And the way he wanted to say it, because it's William Shatner, and William Shatner's a bit of a diva, especially back in those days. Yeah. He would say it kind of sing-songy from what I've heard. It would be kind of like in that mocking, kind of like a mocking sense of like, here it comes kind of thing. And 
they didn't want that. The director of Wrath of Khan did not want it to be telegraphed like that because realistically you wouldn't telegraph it that openly to Khan who's supposed to be a super genius. He wanted William Shatner to give a very subdued delivery of the line, which is what he wound up delivering because what he did is he just kept doing take after take after take until Shatner got frustrated gave the deadpan delivery not realizing that was the delivery that he wanted in the first place and then they were able to move on and he just learned that's what you had to do with them uh to <laughs> to get the actual take you wanted is just frustrate william shatner and he'll give you that emotion the the deadpan performance and he's able to move on from there. And once it's one of those facts, once you learn it, it's really fun to know that William Shatner gave a really good line delivery because someone just annoyed him enough to make him give the line delivery that was needed. No, I feel that like as, as I've just, I've worked with certain people that their intentions are great, but they're not the best at uh, explaining no. things, nor are they no. about um, really just scheduling anything like that. So it, it, it I mean, some people are just that frustrating to work with. Now, when it comes to not knowing what you're supposed to be getting out of your acting, like the person that's directing you isn't giving you much help. Like I remember I did this short film in um, college and it was just a bad script. And I, you know, I was like, all right, I need film, you know, I need film mm -hmm. credit. Um, so it's the scene where I'm meeting my mother who gave me up for adoption. I get like immediately angry, all this. That's fair. Well, he, the director has me look up this song from the, from the Jobs soundtrack. And he's having me listen to the song. And it's like, listen to this and think about, you know, how it makes you feel. And like, you know, use that for the scene. And I'm listening to it. And it's like, what, what does this have to do with the scene? Like I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking it's more of like a montage of him, like writing down ideas for Apple on a whiteboard. Like this, this isn't helping me at all, man. No, yeah, it, it, it was, yeah. but no, um, let's see behind the scenes stuff. Uh, speaking of divas, I mean, actors are some of the best and worst people you will ever work with. Um, I was in a production back in college of Tartuffe. If you're familiar with Tartuffe, I know the name. It's a Moliere play. It, you know, it's comedy rhyming all, yeah. all, you know, that old stuff. Yeah. And, um, thankfully I was, I didn't, I wasn't in it much. I'm the deus ex machina. I'm on for one scene. And so like whenever it came to productions, I had all the time to chill. Yeah. Um, but two of the people, uh, in the show had been dating Oh no. and, um, <laughs> oh, no. Well, one of them, one of them, gee, I mean, the ego was one thing, but the quickness to violence was another. And now I never like he would get in people's face, but he would never like, you know, punch anyone. I'd never see him do that. Yeah. Well, during a performance, not a, not a rehearsal a performance, it's our Saturday performance. They're not on stage, but they're in the shop room and uh, they're arguing because, you know. I don't know, whatever they were arguing about, I wasn't close to them, but uh, one of them pulled a knife on oh. the other. And this is, and like like I said, I'm not in the show this much, so right. I, like, I hate saying this, but like I didn't really care right. if anything happened. Right. <laughs> but well, I'm, I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, 
you paid money to get a, a degree here. Yeah. <laughs> and how we're just trying to shank each other. Uh, That's so how it goes. I just, uh, actors are weird. They, they are very strange people. Like, clearly. I'm not saying that I'm like the non weird one. I, I got weird, you know, I got weird out the butt, but it's, I like to be humble, you know. Yeah. You gotta have some humility about it. No, I wish, like I said, all my stuff was either just so like quick and dirty back then. I don't have anything fun like that. I just, like I said, my, my main thing is random movie trivias and things like that. And speaking of back to the emoting thing and things too, George Lucas was actually really bad about that when he would direct mean? things. Oh, right, really? Well, yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of well known about Hayden Christensen's performance in Attack oh, yeah. of the Clones oh. of the Sith. I mean, yeah. I've seen behind the scenes stuff though, where like Hayden gave like a good performance, like because you it's actually really easy to spot that George Lucas does not know how does not know how to handle dialogue. He is <laughs> bad at it because like Hayden uh, would give like this really nice like in these like behind the scenes things he'd give this really nice performance that fit the scene well. He wasn't like overdoing it or anything like that. And then George would come in and be like, oh, I was OK, but can you do X, Y or Z or whatever? And that's how we got the performances we got was because Lucas would come in and tell him that your performance that was fine wasn't enough. So now you got to just overblow it because you can tell because when he Hayden doesn't have to talk, you can see the emotion and the intensity in his face. Oh, yeah. But then when he has to talk because Lucas is, you know, telling him what to do, it all falls apart because Lucas once is like the opposite of Nicholas Meyer in that regard. And is, is wanting the loud, mocking, you know, sing songy ish kind of way of speaking. And Hayden's trying to deliver a more subdued, quiet version of it. And George doesn't want that. He wants the the loud and the yeah. and all that. And it, it's really disappointing because I would love to see a version of the prequels that didn't have George Lucas directing them. Hell, if anything, um, have you ever heard of the movie Broken Glass? Mm-mm. Uh, that's the only movie I've seen Hayden Christensen in that wasn't Star Wars. And he actually does a really, really good job. Yeah. Which I And I saw it later in life, so I was like, okay. Yeah. I, you're not bad. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't like, you know... Star Wars for me is almost like a lot of other fandoms that have just become so unapologetically exploited, whether it's by its fans or by its owners, that I just I don't pay that much attention to it anymore. Yeah, I don't really either. And um, whenever it came to the not the yeah yeah the prequel movies, you know. It, I will get I will give Disney this. They have given Star Wars a new life by by expanding more on it and bringing out more product for it. I mean, for me, the the prequels just weren't doing. It. I think I think they were doing it for me at the time because I was a kid and I liked, mm-hmm. you know, watching New Hope and Jedi. Yeah. But, you know, in retrospect, looking back on them now, I'm just like yeah, I just I like mm. like clones. They're hard to rewatch yeah. too. Oh, absolutely. They haven't aged well. Like See, the original I, trilogy aged fairly okay, but prequels they relied too much on technology that was going to get outdated too quick. See, the only one I like watching is Phantom, and the reason why I, why I like watching Phantom as opposed to Sith, which is the best one, mm-hmm. 
is just I remember it like for me now it's what the fandom looked like at the time because it was coming back. You uh, had this nice, cool deal where you either go to KFC, Taco Bell, or Pizza Hut, and you're gonna get uh, toys yeah. for the prequel. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was this nice, really cool welcome to Star Wars. Now I know a lot of people don't like it, but as soon as clones came out, like the the feeling just wasn't there. I don't, and I don't just mean. See, a, a, a lot of ways a movie can really do it for me is it's marketing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, hell, the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, even Spider-Man 3, I still like them a lot more just based off the marketing that came with it. Yeah. And the marketing that came with clones was not good. Now, the marketing that came with Sith, though, because I wanted to collect like, um, what was it? Burger King had these like. Uh, little figures uh, that uh, you could collect. And like, if you collected enough of them, you'd eventually get Vader. Okay. But that was the thing. Like it, I mean, really it's, it's the market. It's the same. It's kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were made specifically to sell toys. Yeah. Yeah. Once the shows came out. And I mean, don't get me wrong. They they were very, very creative toys, but now what was it? I, I feel like now we may start to actually have a good Turtles movie again. So I guess we'll find out. Oh, I'm hoping. I'm <laughs> really hoping that this is going to be good. I oh. trust in it a bit more. I was trying to think of what other behind the scenes trivia things I know. I was like watching outtakes for movies and TV shows. Oh, I used to do that one. Fun. DVDs, special mm-hmm. features. All those I got up there. There was one other thing, keeping with Star Wars, that's just one I'd happen to know a little bit more because those behind the scenes were easier to watch. I think another like Phantom Menace also sticks out pretty well for me in my head because it also didn't have as much green screening. It didn't (laughs) as much. It still had it, but you could definitely tell like there were shots like that were at locations like that were not just, you know, green screened in after the fact or something like that. Like, you know, like all the 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 Naboo temples and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. that was all real locations and stuff. You knew they were there. But as those movies kind of went on, that got less and less and less. And there's so many behind the scenes things that I've seen for uh, the other two movies to where they're literally just walking on green and purple and blue screens. Like mm-hmm. even like the floor they're on is not real. Like it's all put in after the fact. And that's why... <laughs> some of those scenes are just hard to watch because they're not, they're not there. That's actually why when, uh, when force awakens was coming out and I heard it was JJ Abrams directing it, I got kind of excited for that because, and I don't want to turn this thing into a whole thing about star Wars, but, uh, and more star Trek that I bring up star Trek every single time I record one of these things. Uh, cause there's in star Trek into darkness, the second of the, uh, Abrams verse movies. There's this, the opening scene. They're on this alien planet with these trees with red leaves. And that's a thing that most people, even back when that movie came out would have just, you know, made like a couple of the trees and then just, you know, digitally put more in. They made the trees by hand, like these trees with the weird red leaves and yeah. these weird trunks. They made the trees it's by hand. Cool. I like that. Yeah, to make this alien planet seem more alive. So, like, I was super excited about that. But that's always kind of what it's Making like. Making yeah. hand trees and actually putting puppetry back into Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah. yeah. So, it was, yeah, they, it. Actually, they actually did some stuff. But, no, to kind of even go back to my original point, like, watching 
there's sometimes when I'll watch outtakes for stuff and it's almost better than the scene that got filmed. Oh, absolutely. So the, one of my seasons of house up there, I think it's two or three and there's an, there's an episode. I forget the logistic exactly what happened, but there's a scene when uh, chase, one of the resident doctors is yelling at house about something and it was about getting houses Vicodin or whatever. And the line as filmed or as scripted is your damn Vicodin. But you can tell that his actor got a little too into it. <laughs> and so he's like, this wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gotten your fucking Vicodin. <laughs> they have to censor it, of course, on the on the outtake. No, hey, no, no, great. no. I, I like that because usually that means that you're actually working on what this person is supposed to be mm-hmm. feeling in this moment. Like, yeah, yeah like scripts scripts i love a good script i love good dialogue however you look at certain scripts and it's like it's like that it's like the damn like you know that it's there for a reason but depending on how you actually want to play the actor and especially if it's smart you're looking into the context of the script yeah you can't help but say the what you actually yeah. want to say. Well, I know there's always been a thing with Robin Williams and a lot of his movies too. Is there's like some X-rated cuts of like every movie he's ever been in because <laughs> of the shit he would say. Well, you ever you ever watch his stand up? Oh yeah, I've seen. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I've seen that. And his stand up is vulgar. Yes, um, yes it just makes it so great. But yeah, like you know, like Mrs. Doubtfire, um, uh, Aladdin. There's oh, a, how can there, you not with Aladdin though? There's, there's, it's in the Disney vault somewhere where Good. there is the, the an expletive ridden version of all of Genie's lines. Good. Uh, exists somewhere out there that'll never see the light of day. But that's going to be true. my national treasure adventure. That's, that's every movie he's ever been in. There's always like an X-rated cut of, uh, of whatever movie he was doing. And it's, it's always, it's just always a fun thing to think about with, with something like that where it's like, yeah, there has to be, there was an interview I forget which animator it was, but it was like a new guy started working at either Disney or Pixar or something like that. It was one of those companies. And a piece of advice that he got when he was new was like, you have to be comfortable with whatever you create because someone is going to make pornography out of it. <laughs> like you have to accept this fact. If this episode be has been animator. brought to you by DeviantArt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just all of it. Uh, and he's like, it's solid advice because, yeah, like you have to like if you're going to work for a big studio like that, you have got to be OK with the fact that people are going to make pornography out of the thing you're spending all this time and energy and joy into creating. And someone's going to draw it fucking something. Uh- <laughs> or I don't know, you could be uh, like the guy that invented Arthur and uh, just get really, really mad about people making memes mm-hmm. about, about the shows like stills. Yeah. Well, there is actually. uh <laughs> um Speaking of children shows, uh, there are storyboards. One got leaked for Rugrats. Oh, I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, the super vulgar, yeah, well, what gross. Can, what really gets me about that, and I guess I shouldn't be that surprised based on Nickelodeon's grand way of like having the most pedophilic people yeah. work for the company – no, I've I've seen like, and the thing is like, if you if you find it online, you don't see anything super super no. vulgar, but you get the point of what's going on, yeah. and it's pretty sick. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's the the uh, fact that and the thing is, there's more. There is more that has not been that yeah. it has not been released. Yeah, it was like the one thing that got leaked out that like one of the creators made, I think, which I get. 
Like I understand like to an extent why they do it because when you are working on something that is so saccharine, like you've got to just get and fucking set Chucky on fire. Don't yeah. let, you know, don't that get I, gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not, I'm not justifying any of that by the way, but it is just like, I, I understand where the mindset comes from, but yeah, that was the, of all the things to get leaked was that. Oh my God. Uh, the ever seen those new Mickey mouse shorts where it's like, they, they came out a couple of years ago. They're, they're Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, but it's like you wanted to put – they decided let's put a little bit of Ren and Stimpy in there for some reason. Mm-mm. And they just look ugly. Like they look really – I'm not going to say horrific, but they look gross. And I, I don't know who decided to go with that animation style, but whoever might have been working on – I mean it. You're, you're getting paid to make something look just that – ugly it's it's almost like this weird anomaly because it's like you think that you'd want something a little bit messed up whenever it comes to mickey mouse cartoons because you, you feel like you get the shtick of mickey mouse and all that but then they decided to like do it the way that i don't know like some six-year-old kid thinks is funny like it, it just mm. it, it yeah it just didn't do it for me and because i mean i'm not a big mickey mouse fan but i respect the fact that you know you should have good animation for one of your biggest properties or the biggest, I guess. There's something I'll have to show you after we're done recording this, but you talking about that uh, reminded me of, uh, it, there was a period of time with YouTube, with YouTube kids, especially, and it, it's still there. It still comes, it still leaks through the cracks. Shoop the whoop is still alive. Oh, this is something way weirder than that. Oh, really? uh, <laughs> no, this was a, those like, sweatshop animation companies would do these like Mickey Mouse cartoons and stuff. And they were always gross. And they were, it was one of those things where it had a lifespan because of it. It was very clearly Mickey Mouse. They even had the ear thing, like no matter what direction his head was facing, the ears always pointed towards the screen type thing. Sure. But it was just weird and they were always doing stuff that wasn't really for children. It was basically, it was always just weird. Like I said, I'll just show it to you later, but just, you just reminded me of that. Uh, and that's number one thing. Cause the, I never saw them directly. So obviously they all got taken down. It was a different commentary channel was talking about it and they had to make a point to fact that for whatever reason, uh, their Donald duck was always wearing a Superman t-shirt. I'm down for that, though. Uh, and also, <laughs> the way his face looked, it looked like he actually cut off Donald Duck's face and just, like, attached it to himself. Because uh, the animation lines were so terrible that it looked like it was two separate pieces of his face. Fan of the opera stunned Donald Duck. And then, right. for whatever reason, they gave Goofy this gigantic ass. Um, <laughs> like a letter S. Um <laughs> That was going on here. Like I said, I'll have to show it to you. At least the 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 mirrored clips that are still out there <laughs> of the the commentary channel that did it. But yeah, you just kind of indirectly reminded me of that. But man, I mean, hey, better things have happened based off of weird animation. I mean, that's the whole reason Rick and Morty exists. Yeah. Uh, Justin Roiland, why? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see the next season of that show. Oh, apparently they're hiring someone that he is a YouTube, um, at least this is what I've heard. He is a YouTube uh, voice actor. Uh, Like he does his own little bits on YouTube. I'm sure he's landed quite a few roles. Well, apparently his voice is 
so close to Justin's that they decided to hire him, okay. which I which I love. Yeah, I, I I'm really glad that someone can, you know, that's trying to get their own start on YouTube can do that. Actually, they're uh, something I found out. Hotel Transylvania four uh, does not have Adam Sandler playing Dracula. It's actually another uh, YouTube voice actor. Hmm. They hired him because he did it, it well enough. Like him, yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me, I was playing uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, God. And you go to there's a Toy Story planet, and uh, it's not Tom Hanks. It's his Woody. brother. It's his brother. Yeah. It's his brother doing the voice, but they sound identical, uh, which is always convenient because I'm sure uh, Tom Hanks' brother is significantly cheaper uh, <laughs> than Tom I Hanks. I mean, would Tom be. Hanks doesn't got the time for uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. No. If it was Kingdom Hearts 1, maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm glad. That, well, that well, was when it was star studded back then. Right. I mean, well, advertisements so, were about, well, what was it? Um, you had Haley Joel Osment, you had Christy Carlson Romano. I mean, you had James Woods coming back, coming back as Hades. David Burian is a squall. Was he squall? He was. <laughs> I don't, well, okay. I didn't really know who David Boreanaz was until I was like, I had watched uh, Buffy like, and angel. I knew who he was. At oh, oh I'm sure you did. <laughs> Uh, Sean, Sean Astin played Hercules. Mm-hmm. Why? Not sure, but still, um, trying to think what was it? Yeah. Chris Sarandon came back for Jack and then Dan Castellaneta who played Genie in the animated Aladdin series came back to play Genie, which that still works for me. Do you know who the voice of Sephiroth was in kingdom hearts one? Does he even talk? I never got to beat him. Uh, well, it, it, he did all the, the grunt lines and stuff like that. Okay. So if you beat him, he doesn't talk. Okay. He doesn't talk. Okay. But no, who, who? Lance Bass. What? Yep. That's so random. Mm-hmm. Which now technically means <laughs> in sync by a weird process of, you know, removal and everything else. Lance Bass is technically in Smash Bros. <laughs> it's interesting because, all right, wow, he okay. Sephiroth. Ju- you know, Justin's got his acting career. He's playing in Shrek 3. You know, uh, what was it? Chris, Chris Kirkpatrick, he's getting to play. He's uh, he's playing Chip Skylark. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, maybe maybe that's what I got to do. I'm going to go do yeah. a voice acting. Well, it was part of that whole star-studded thing that that first game had. Because uh, yeah. everyone at Mandy Moore was in Kingdom Hearts One. Yeah, she was Eris. Yeah, or Aerith. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, she was in she was in that. And uh, yeah, it is wild to think about. And then of course, like hardly the only people that came back was you know Haley Joel Osment and David Gallagher and which uh, hey at least in the air at least uh, at least Kingdom Hearts Two was good. I Kingdom Hearts Two was really good. I can't believe I, I'm sorry. I can't believe I bought Kingdom Hearts Three. I bought I, it after when it wasn't new. I bought it. Used. Oh, I bought it first day, and I no. had never made such a dumb purchase. No, I was never that big of a Kingdom Hearts fan, so I just oh, yeah, I didn't know I was I didn't a big get one. I didn't get any of them when they were new. So well, so growing up, one of my favorite movies was The Nightmare Before Christmas. So when I saw the ah. Kingdom Hearts trailer, and you know, I was like, all right, this looks interesting, and then I see Jack is going to be in a video game. I'm like, oh my god! Ah, yeah, that'll do so, it. And then I didn't even know I didn't even know what Final Fantasy was until Kingdom Hearts. That was actually when I first heard about Final Fantasy. It's be, or not Final Fantasy. Uh, when I first heard about Kingdom Hearts, it was because of the Disney Final Fantasy crossover uh, aspect of it. 
and because I had been playing, like I'd played Final Fantasy seven VII and eight. I had a friend that had a Nintendo. We'd play the original Final Fantasy, uh, which that game's hard if you don't understand how the mechanics of that game work when you're, you know, eight. But because um, it's basically fair. playing first edition D and D, and it's got saying the game's buggy as all hell. So it's one of those things that's shocking that it's now spawned a franchise that has uh, is now going to have sixteen core games and a thousand spinoff titles. But and had a merger with Disney. Uh, they're not merger, what a fever but, dream uh, that is too. Well, it's like. kind of like how Sora's <laughs> in Kingdom Hearts, uh, and it's like. The, the trailer shot, you know, shows the key, shows the keyblade with the Mickey keychain. Yeah. And it's like that whole 10, that whole two seconds of the things on the screen just cost more than everyone made in a year's salary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, and it's a good time with that one. Oh, I miss those Smash Bros. updates, though. Those were always a good time. Though. See, I, I was never a Nintendo guy. I, uh, I was, was I. A, I was uh, all PlayStation. My PS1 games were mm-hmm. mainly Crash Bandicoot and Tomb Raider games. And then once I got to PS2, like I was telling you earlier, it was mainly a lot of movie tie-in games and Tony Hawk and, oh God, how many hours I spent in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Well, I've already said on the podcast before in a different episode, my main shtick was Resident Evil, so that's why the longest episode on the podcast, and almost two hours long, it's just my friend and I talking about I, Resident Evil. I didn't play Resident uh, Evil until they re-released 2 a couple okay. years ago. Yeah, which I've got over there in the cabinet somewhere. Which I which I see the appeal. It just, it uh, I don't know, like Resident Evil was one of those franchises that I thought I would like more, and I just didn't. No, it caused a problem for me. So <laughs> a lifelong problem. I guess going back to what we were talking about before with like, you know, what would your being, and I've talked about this already on the podcast before, but doing my own Resident Evil thing would be really cool for like, me. Like a fan film. Like a fan film kind of thing. Cause like I got my own ideas because the thing I've had, the the CGI movies don't do this in Resident Evil, but the uh, the live action one projects have always done this. It's where the world ends for some reason. Okay. Uh, and the games, it doesn't end. I mean, the world has to deal with bioterrorism all the time, but like the world's still functioning. Like, it's not like, you know, the apocalypse saying the apocalypse is on, it's the, not the last the corner, of us, but yeah, it's not the last of us. Like resident evil village, like the world still exists. Uh, it's not like, you know, the world ever ended. And so I'd, I'd want to do something that was live action that didn't have to rely on, on the world ending. I think the way I described it was more like a, uh, like a corporate espionage series or show or something like that. That I feel like that would work really well, but to be something resident Evil related, something resident Evil related, something Star Trek related. Those are kind of my two things that I would love to do. Let's see. Um, one thing, I don't know, like my, I guess when it comes to like full on stories, I don't really do that a lot. If anything, I try to, one thing I've always wanted to do, uh, performance wise and I've never done is stand up. And, uh, it's like, I'm, I am terrified to do stand up because while I do tend to play funny characters, that does not necessarily mean that I am, I am inherently funny. Right. So a lot of the time, and I, I mean, and I'll put them out on Facebook uh, just as like test them to see if anyone actually laughs at them, which sometimes they do, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah. But um, that's that's my main thing. Like I don't, as much as I would like to write down an idea for characters, like the only thing I think in terms of an actual story I've thought about is as pretentious as it is, writing out my autobiography, but in 
this fashion, mm-hmm. I wake up um, as a child and I, I still have all the same memories I've okay. ever had. I don't know how it happened. You never find right. out how, how or why it happens. Yeah. But I'm re, I'm telling my entire life story and what I decide to do differently and what I decide not to because of what is actually going to end up happening. Um, but that's really the only thing I've had because, I mean, I, when it comes to the idea of creating characters and creating world building, you know, that's not really ever been my forte um, because I just, I mean, hell, even when I read books, as much as I like to picture the the actual setting that it's in, the characters that are there, that is something that I can imagine if it's given me a prompt. Okay. I'm not good about creating it uh, from scratch. And I think that's another reason why I don't really play D&D a lot. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I love world building and making characters. That's like a thing that I excel at. It's just then the actual uh, process of putting them somewhere is the part that I really struggle at. And uh, that's why I was so shocked when I finally finished my last revision on Space Police. And I was like, I actually have something with the cohesive beginning, middle, and end, and I don't know how to process this mentally. I'm used to having a cohesive beginning and end, but not middle. <laughs> I know how to start. I know how to end. I don't know how to fucking put things in the middle. Uh, well, I, my big thing when it comes to writing is, I, I don't know, It's a lot of it's like releasing out something that I feel like I need to talk about in a very comedic way, or it's just me telling stories and trying to be funnier about it. Like let's say if I were to write this book, the way I wanted to open is me getting into an argument with my mother. I am six years old. I'm at a Ramada Inn, and I'm not allowed to go into the hot tub because there's like an age restriction. And I still have my 29 year old brain. And Uh, I'm just like, you like, I, I get it. I know that there's rules there, but I know what I can handle. Right. Trust me. I'm going to be living for a long time after this. And now I got to do it all over again. Yeah. Like there's, there's the frustration of, you know, being a child and not being able to drink. Right. (laughs) Um, you know, like all these vices that I, that I've had and like all these, all this, I mean, hell, even cursing. A lot of children aren't allowed to curse, and I'm just yeah. like, don't you f-? like, I'd be like, had to stop yourself yeah. every time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and the Catholic school years, those are going to be great chapters. I'm sure they would be. <laughs> I'm sure they absolutely would be. It's 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 a weird dynamic going to a private mm-hmm. school. Have you? I mean, did you? you no, went I to went to school? public school. Yeah, it's the it's like. I don't, so I didn't grow, you know, I didn't go through my elementary and junior high years in public school. So I don't really know how they try to shape children, but at least within private school, especially Catholic school ways, it, I don't understand why tucking your t-shirt into your khakis was such a big deal. Cause I mean, you do that today and I don't know, people are going to look at you sideways. I mean, I tuck my undershirts in, but that's about it. But, yeah. I mean, I wore this T-shirt that I'm wearing or to work under my scrubs, and then I, you know, I, untucked the shirt as soon as I got home. I got off work. Scrubs. I took off the shirt I had for work, and I was like, I put on something comfortable. And unfortunately, the stuff I wear to work is very comfortable, so I lucked out in that aspect of my life. I I miss not having uh, a dress code. Before the job I had now, I worked in places that, had no dress code and oh like actually the job I had before that as bad as it was 
I didn't wear shoes. It was great. So my work experience, especially when I was at Walmart, I, I was actually at Walmart long enough, even when I switched into optical, that uh, I got to watch the evolution of the Walmart dress code. The evolution. Yes. So when I started there, that was, this was like in 2006. Yeah, it was 2006. Basically, you could wear whatever kind of shirt you wanted. Just couldn't have any like graphic like labels or anything like that. Couldn't have like another like, it couldn't be like a Hollister shirt or something like that. Okay. And it couldn't be anything with like profanity on it. That part I know is still true. And you couldn't wear jeans. You could wear khakis or whatever, stuff like that. Like those were okay, but you just couldn't wear blue jeans. Uh, so that was fine. That was whatever, you know, it was fun. I, I liked having the shirt aspect anyway. And back then I didn't care as much about pants. So I've just never understood how one how khaki became the thing. Well, it's not just how khaki became the thing. Like, I'm sorry. So I work in retail, you know? Yeah. I mean, part of my job is to make sure that people don't leave looking dumb. Right. Whoever decided that jeans don't look better than khakis. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, we would have, we would have every once one Friday a month, I believe would be blue jeans day. When I worked at Kohl's, if you, uh, were able to get someone to sign up for the credit card, you got this little scratch off Ooh. and you either got like a, something from the vending machine or, Oh, you get to wear, well, basically comfortable shoes today. But one of them was also, Oh, you get to wear jeans. You have a ticket to wear jeans. I'm like, yeah, I think we might've had something like that too. Uh, for so, Walmart, yeah, I'm sure. Well, then if you worked overnight, you got to wear jeans. So I worked overnights for a little bit, and I got to wear jeans for Christmas time. But uh, that's a, that, that's a, the experiences of working retail. That is another episode for another oh, time. Oh, absolutely. But uh, I uh, so that was it for like a year. You had to wear the vest over your stuff. Well, then they decided it's now khaki only. I tell you, you could wear any pants you wanted. They just couldn't be jeans. So you could wear like black pants or whatever. So you could wear joggers. You could, yeah, you could wear black jeans if you wanted to. They just couldn't be blue jeans. So that rule got yeah. yeah that's it was so whole, different. Yeah, it was hilarious <laughs> circumventing some of those things. So then they're like, all right, well now the uniform is polo shirts, and now it was khakis. This is when it officially evolved into khaki pants. And I forget what I think just shoes are just comfortable. No, it didn't have to be dress shoes. Unless you were a manager, then you had to have dress shoes. All right. Uh, and your T-shirt underneath was supposed to just... Well, no, I take it back. If you were just wearing a T-shirt under your polo shirt, it could be whatever you wanted. But if you were going to wear long sleeves, it had to be white. God help you if you wore a black long sleeve t-shirt under your polo shirt, which could be, and I think it wound up just being blue, but if your Walmart was, had a garden center, like you'd be blue or green. Cause I think those were like the neighborhood market Walmarts or whatever were supposed to be green. But like our store got a thing that said we could wear green polo shirts too. So I was able to alternate. Then at that point I went to the vision center and they had their own dress code, which is business casual. Yeah. So that was fine dealing with that. And I had no problems with that. Uh, and then I got out of that entirely. Then when I went to lens crafters years later, uh, cause I worked at a really shitty hotel, uh, for a little bit when I was in Texas and I went back into the optical stuff. I worked at a private eye practice called, uh, Frisco eye care. That was terrible. And then we wore scrubs for that job. And then I went to lens crafters and their initial thing 
was business casual. Well, of course, me being me showing up when I did six months later, they're like, okay, now it has to just be black. Whatever you want, but it has to be black. Uh, And I hated that, actually, uh, because it did. It felt so like restrictive Mm. on everything. Well, they were also like lens cards was really weird phase where they were like they were trying to be Apple for some reason. Don't understand why. Uh, so like they didn't want us like sitting down or anything like that to like help people out or whatever. They wanted us standing the whole time. That did not go over very well. But like I said, that's another episode for another time. But yeah, then it was all black for that. And then I went to this place I'm at now and our uniform is scrubs again. So it's pretty comfortable. Uh, they want us to look good. They want us to be able to show people that we know how to dress. And it's fine. I mean, it makes me actually work on my appearance a bit more and yeah. it just it's retail it is. you know it's 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 shout out to anyone that works in retail mm-hmm. yeah i have props Make, for you yeah I, no absolutely i don't miss it uh, <laughs> i'll tell you that much i got like i said that's another episode for another time speaking of i think it's about time we'll uh Go ahead and call it here for today's episode of the Pretty Simple Podcast. Thanks for having me on, bud. No, you're very welcome. You'll be <laughs> welcome back anytime you want to be awesome. back on. So uh, this is Alex signing out. See you all later.